You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. This is the business of cannabis. Welcome to the Business of Cannabis. This is David Sky here with Matt Cook. Uh, the Business of Cannabis, where we take a deep dive into the intricacies and nuances of, of one of the world's burgeoning, maybe explosive new industries. Um, cannabis, odd for a product that's been around for such a long time, as if the world just decided uh, you discovered, hey, look. Uh, uh, there's, there's oil, we should use that, or uh, uh, minerals in the ground, wow, we should use that. Uh, cannabis, uh, early, early in the game, in the middle of the game, uh, today we're going to kind of investigate how traditional um, professionals uh, who are coming from other industries are being attracted to what's going on. Um, in this space. Uh, uh, we're going to be talking to Margot McAuliffe of Gabby Inc. and uh, Sean Connor of Herbforce, both of whom have long careers in other areas. Uh, uh, Margot has, has done uh, too many things to list. Uh, I'll list them when I introduce her, uh, but an experienced business person attracted to the opportunities here and is, is building a, um, uh, a retail operation uh, that's brick and mortar, but also combining it with uh, creating her own brands. Uh, her strategy is to create the infrastructure necessary to be successful rather than the, say a lot of people are just gonna throw it out there, grow, 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 and then do some of that infrastructure work once we have scale. She's taking a, a different approach. So it'll be interesting to hear about that, uh, to compare it um, to what, what some, some other people we've talked to on the show. And um, Sean Connor at Herbforce, this is a uh, recruiting firm uh, focused on the cannabis space, but Herbforce is part of a much larger uh, company, uh, Forest Brands, where the, uh, that's a, a general recruiting, executive recruiting company. Uh, and Sean, very experienced recruiter, is trying to build a practice for executive recruiting it, it focused on cannabis. So there are two examples of uh, people with, with lots of options could have focused their attention in many areas, uh, but they've chose cannabis and then bringing those skills uh, into it. So um, is this oversaturation, undersaturation, 
Is it just a very positive, timely development as more and more people start looking, and not only just looking, but a deep dive into uh, this space um, to try to make it uh, commercially viable? That's a change. It's different. It's maybe an unstoppable development as cannabis commercializes. Um, some people bemoan it, uh, a, a loss of, a loss of, um, uh, of purity, if you will. Um, I, and other people dismiss that as being naive and that this is a positive and maybe even inevitable development in, in light of the investment that's going into it. So there you have it, Margot McAuliffe from Gabby Inc. And we're going to then talk to Sean Connor of Herbforce. Uh, I am Dave Skye here with Matt Cook. And this is the business of... Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. So welcome to the business of cannabis. Uh, we're pretty excited uh, about our first guest. Um, I'd like to welcome Margot McAuliffe to the show. Uh, Margot is CEO and founder of Gabby Inc. Um, Margot's one of those people whose mission in life, I think, is to make you feel lazy. Um, Gabby is a publicly traded retail cannabis company, California-focused, with one of the largest grossing and well-respected dispensaries in California. If that's not enough, she's invested in radio broadcasting and food services. She's a lawyer, was a partner in a large Canadian law firm even uh, lectured in law at the University of British Columbia, not to mention serving on the board of directors of numerous companies, has won uh, too many awards uh, to mention, but one impressive, including one of the most hundred uh, powerful women in Canada, also welcoming our first grandchild. And we welcome you to the show. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that introduction. <laughs> and then congrats for the baby. That's very fun. Thank you. That's <laughs> a, even though I had nothing to do with it, that's my biggest... Uh, Accomplishment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of credit. Um, yeah. but, okay, so let's let's start with that uh, segue. With such a busy life, um, and obviously a lot of success, why did you then start up Gabby um, as as a focus for for your career? Um, so I'm an entrepreneur, and I basically um, solve life's problems through business. So my sister and I had a business together. She was my best friend, my confidant, my inspiration, and my business partner. And she got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and was given four months to live. And so we took matters into our own hands. And as she said, she accepted the, prog the diagnosis, but not the prognosis. So with, with no medical um, intervention that was feasible, we tried all sorts of alternative therapies and she was a cannabis consumer, so cannabis became one of the, the therapies that we used. And when she, she lived five years, had really great quality of life despite what the doctors you know, expected of her. 
And when she passed, I wanted to honor her in some way. And so I turned to, to business as a solution and decided to build a company in her honor whereby cannabis could be accessible to everyone. I, I can't say for sure that cannabis kept her alive for five years, but it certainly helped if it wasn't in respect to pain management, you know, at, at the very least. It might even have, have prolonged her life, who knows? Right. So I started a business, uh, named it after her. Her name was Gabriella. Gabby was her nickname. And uh, off we went. It's an amazing story. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so keep going. What is the Gabby vision then? What's the, what, what is the, you, know, you want to oh, honor that so whole story. What is that? The, the end goal is to make cannabis accessible to everybody. And so with my retail background, it made the most sense for us to really focus on, on retail. You, when I first got into the business, it was about how do I get products to consumers? And I have a brand background and a product background as well. So I started working with, with people to, to deliver or, and produce products. And we thought that distribution was the avenue to success because in the mainstream channel, distribution is the gateway to, the, to retail, which is the gateway to the consumer. And what we came to realize was that in cannabis, because the infrastructure is so immature, retail is the, the, the key to the gateway to consumers because it's really hard to self-distribute and it's, it's very challenging to work with other third-party distributors. It's changing as, as the industry matures, but you know, for the time being, uh, it's easier to get product to, to consumers if you deal directly and, and, and you know, have the, the pipeline, the, the dispensary. We also identified that if the industry is going to grow, it, it really needs to invite the mainstream consumer to come in in a big way. And everybody's been talking about and waiting for that, you know, uh, soccer mom and, you know, average Joe to come into the to, to these retail dispensaries and really move into the market in a big way. And we're starting to see it happen, but not nearly as fast as people, you know, expected it to happen. And we believe that, that that's because the retail environment is still very focused towards the traditional consumer. And very few dispensaries are inviting to, the, to that mainstream consumer. And those that are alienate the traditional consumer. So the magic in the formula is, how do you create an environment that, that invites both traditional consumers and the mainstream consumer. So how do you build a, an economically sustainable business that is true to the cannabis culture? And that's what we believe we're doing. And we believe that until that happens, we're not going to see the full opportunity in cannabis that everybody believes will come. Can you drill down a little bit into that? That's so interesting to me. The tradition, I've heard that traditional, you know, consumer versus the new, call them the new consumer, to use a shorthand. What are those, in, in real terms, what are the differences um, between them? And, and then how do you bridge that gap? Rather than just some are hippies and everyone else is a, a, you know, an accountant. How do you, what, in real terms, what does that mean to you? So the traditional consumer is a consumer that is well-educated in the cannabis product, has continued to consume for most of their life, is familiar with, with what's available, understands the concept of, 
of terpenes, understands the effect of cannabis, knows how to shop on their own, can walk into a dispensary, identify what products they want, what effect they're looking for, whether it's medicinal or recreational or a little bit of both, and they, they can buy their product and off they go. The mainstream consumer is less experienced, might have consumed in early days in high school or, or college, but it has ceased to, to consume or ceased to consume on a regular basis, is overwhelmed by the uh, experience of walking into a traditional dispensary and is less familiar with the products that are available, less familiar with the effects, maybe a little timid on not wanting to, to get too high, wanting to temper the effect of, the, the, of cannabis wanting to use it in their in their everyday life more effect oriented than recreationally oriented but needs a lot of help to to find their way through the the quagmire of what is available in the industry so like fear of even going in and then once you're in it's like oh my god i'm now in a dispensary what if someone sees what what do i order well, what do i do or it's is it not that? even the, the stigmatization. I think there's that it still exists a little bit. But firstly, imagine a location that's very dark, that has a security guard, which we all have to have, but the security guard has a gun. You know, it's it's in a, a, a I'll call it dingy or very warehouse industrial part of town. It's not, um, it's dark, generally speaking. It's got a lot of, um, images that are, you know, kind of geared towards the traditional culture of cannabis. So just that in itself makes people think, why am I going in here? Like, this is not for me. I'm not this type of person. So you've got that. So there's a little bit of, of fear and, and a little bit of stigmatization because, you know, people will think, am I, am I mingling with, with a crowd that makes sense for me? But yeah, I think if part you... of it is 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 fear of the product like and i'll tell you a stupid story when starbucks first came out there were people that were intimidated by ordering in the lingo that starbucks mm -hmm. uses like what's a grande you know what, right. what's a you know what's a grande espresso? is too much coffee by the way <laughs> what's that that's what it is that's ordering too much coffee yeah get it tall right. get it strong <laughs> well that's the easiest one. i remember going into the subway or rather a, a starbucks and saying you know, can I have a medium coffee? And they said, yeah. tall or grande? And I didn't yeah. know what they were talking about. <laughs> like, I'm, and I'm I was not really short, intimidated yeah. because right. there's a long lineup of people behind me tapping their toes and, you know, getting right. impatient because I don't know what I want to order. Right. So imagine the aggravation in a traditional dispensary where everything is on display in a display case, you can't pick up and feel the product and touch the product and look at the packaging. You get this assortment of product with no real explanation of what the product is, and you're expected as a as a you know new consumer to to point to something and and say you want that, or you wait in line, you get up to the front counter and you talk to a salesperson about what you're looking for, and you're tossing and turning about, well, is that too strong? Is this too strong? I don't want that, I want this. And you got a lineup of people behind you. Mm. Not very inviting to that mainstream consumer. Oftentimes they'll rush through the process and perhaps buy the wrong product. Overall, a stressful environment. That's, that's the kind of, of uh, experience we're trying to avoid. So what we do at Mankind, number one, is we have a, a very large assortment of products. 
it's all on display in a self-help model. So you walk into the store, you can pick up a product off the shelf, you can read it, you can feel it, you can, you know, look at it, you can get comfortable with it, you can put it back, you can touch another product, do the same thing. And you don't feel rushed while you're examining the products that are of interest to you. And then we've got a, a sales floor that is full of roving salespeople who will come up to you and, and offer their assistance to help you. And if you're asking for a particular effect, they have sufficient knowledge that they'll be able to direct you to the product that gives you the effect you're looking for. And then you put the product in your basket. You can, we've got things labeled so you can identify, well, I, I wanna also try an edible. So you go to the edible section and you might bring along the salesperson or you might try it on your own and then invite a salesperson to assist you. But it, it replicates that mainstream shopping environment much more appropriately than the traditional dispensary does. Having said that, it's not so, you know, cold and um, aesthetic and as some of the other dispensaries that maybe started focusing on that mainstream consumer that it alienates and, and doesn't invite that traditional consumer. There's still opportunity for the traditional consumer to come in, get what they want, even talk to the staff and compare products and understand what's new on, you know, on the shelf. And But they feel very welcome. If you walk into our dispensaries, you see a spectrum of people from you know grandmas, to accountants, to the young man who's you know just wants a, a high um, concentration of cannabinoids, to you know somebody who uh, just knows what they want, picks it up, and off they go. Yeah, and I think so that. Yeah, you know, I think you know you, you hit the nail on the head. It's kind of like when my parents went into their first uh, Apple store. Right. right. They didn't really know what they wanted, but it's a very, you know, kind of inviting environment. They can, you know, look and, and touch and feel the product. They have people assisting them. And I think that's the experience that, um, you know, we need to create in the, in the industry in order to get those, um, you know, kind of uh, everyday Joes that haven't necessarily um, used this on a regular basis for a very long time to help educate them and make them feel comfortable and not put them in a situation where it's an intimidating environment where you know they don't feel comfortable, they're not gonna make a decision and they may never come back. Right, but you also wanna do that in a way that doesn't alienate the traditional consumer. True. Because you wanna stay true to the, to the cannabis culture. I mean, that, I think that's a must. Mm -hmm. And you know that's basically the consumer that you're servicing now, so why alienate right. them? 100%. Well, that must be a challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge. I just want to mention with Margot McAuliffe of Gabby Inc. and we're talking about um, the challenge right now of, of trying to bridge the gap between different types of consumers. Obviously, many companies wrestle with that. How do you do, so how do you bridge that gap? Uh, or uh, I'm guessing there's going to be some winners and losers in this because some people are going to move too soon and, and, and lose the traditional, focusing on a demand that's not there. And some people are going to wait too long and be stuck with a small market and those people will move on. Yeah, it's it's a balance and it's a balance in a number of different ways. Number one, you have to understand the California cannabis culture. And there's companies, you know, some of the large MSOs have dipped their toe in California and opened up a few locations, not very many. I think 
you know, the, the most that any one MSO has opened is four or five locations. But they don't have a real strong team in place that is that understands the cannabis culture in California. So that's the first thing. You got to understand the culture. You got to understand the importance of the cannabis culture. You got to uphold it in everything you do, in everything you stand for, in the values of the organization and in the products that you carry. And then you have to create an inviting in, uh, environment for that traditional consumer that doesn't alienate the mainstream consumer. So I, I think first and, fo and foremost, you've got to stay you have to stay true to the culture. And if you can do that and then find a way to also invite that mainstream consumer, you've got a winning strategy. And I think that that's really the magic that we've brought to the equation. You know, I think another way of looking at it is, you know, in the early days of cannabis, there, the, it was everything was run by the traditional um, consumer in, or the traditional participant, if you will, in the cannabis space. And they were floundering. They, they, they couldn't build a sustainable economic model that, you know, people would invest in. So then the CPG players all came into the market and they were, you know, arrogant. They were going to show the traditional operators, you know, how to run the business. Well, they lost the cannabis culture and things imploded or exploded. We've been able to balance that. We've got people that really understand cannabis, that have some of the best knowledge in the industry of the, the flower, the products, the market, the consumer. We understand how to consolidate businesses, and that's not easy to do. And we understand how to operate businesses. So we can, you know, first and foremost, focus on maintaining that traditional cannabis culture in a way that, that assists us or enables us to build an economically sustainable company. That's our, our magic formula. So, Margaret, you have an, a number of brands. So you've got Mankind, the retail location. You've got Lulu's, which is your edibles. Uh, Kind Republic, which is your cannabis brand. And Two Rise, which is CBD. So explain to us how um, they're kind of integrated in terms of, you know, uh, kind of sales and marketing terms. And, you know, what are your plans on adding more brands? So a couple of different um, things to point out. Number one, we chose to be in the CBD market because we believe that eventually CBD and cannabis will all uh, consolidate into one marketplace and consumers will be able to buy CBD and THC products in, in a grocery shelf, in a convenience store, in a gas station, much like you know you can with, with um, alcohol and, and much like right. you can in uh, grocery stores with prescriptions in some cases. So all of that consolidated. So, mm -hmm. so we wanted to have a stake in the in the ground to and play in the CBD space because of that. So that's our our CBD brand, and the, our other brands. Uh, we we also have a Lulu's CBD line, which is in mainstream stores, and then the Lulu's edibles line and the uh, Kind Republic cannabis line are catered towards the THC market. So we, Lulu is our missing link, where we have edible products that are THC focused and edible products that are CBD focused in the mainstream and in the licensed channel. So that's the model that we envision someday being able to really develop. The, uh, the brands speak to different consumers. Lulu's is a very high-end chocolate line. Uh, Two Rise is a more medicinal, medicinal um, tincture and supplements line. 
and it, both are made with very high-end products, so you could cross-pollinate the consumers, but people are generally buying them for different reasons. Right. Kind Republic is a lower-tiered, uh, in terms of pricing, cannabis flower and concentrate line. And so it, it may speak to a different consumer than the edibles line with, with the high premium, high-quality chocolate product. What we do is we use quality ingredients in every instance, regardless of who the brand is speaking to, and that's the tie that we have in common. And we and everything is under the Gabby umbrella. But the, we don't necessarily necessarily cross pollinate the Kind Republic brand with the Edibles brand because we don't necessarily see that they're speaking to the same audience. So a long long answer to your short question. Uh, in terms of, of brands, they speak to an audience and they convey a certain message. And so we will only introduce new brands if the brands that we currently have don't speak to the audience that we want to speak to. I prefer to have many more SKUs under a smaller number of brands than many brands to develop many SKUs. Yeah, that makes sense. Now you, you know, at building on you mentioned your California focused. Um, take us through why, uh, as opposed to a lot of other players who are either multi-state now or thinking of doing it. All right, or is that for now and, and maybe in, in a few years? Because you know, I know you have a, some relatively ambitious growth goals. So take us through that, how you think you're going to grow, why California as opposed to? So how we're going to grow um, is by developing new licenses and acquiring existing dispensary uh, licenses that are either well-developed or, or getting developed. Um, we're focused on California because retail is is the focus that we're that we're um, embracing. The opportunity in California for retail is unique. There are, is no dominant player. The market is highly fragmented. It's mainly operated by individual owners, what one would might call a mom and pop operator that doesn't have the the ability or wherewithal to scale. The um, COVID has been really hard on those operators and uh, a lot of them are ready to sell. So there's a lot of opportunity to buy. There's a lot of dispensaries for sale in the market and only 90 out of around 400 municipalities are currently allowing cannabis in their jurisdiction. More, many, many more are coming on, on board. COVID has, has persuaded a lot of people, a lot of municipalities to rethink their cannabis approach given the taxation opportunities and the need for economic growth. And then finally, um, you know, before legalization in the rec market, there were 4,000 plus dispensaries that were operating in the California market. Today, there's around 700. So, and it serves a population of 36 million people. The opportunity for growth in California is unique. It's also the, the a tastemaker market. If you succeed in California and build a brand in California, you can at any time in the future take it across the United States and probably even globally to an extent because people care what happens in California and they focus on the on what California is doing and what brands they're building. 
Yeah, I get that. I mean, California mm -hmm. in many in many Makes ways is a, is a country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very in much of so. Itself and, uh, a yeah. big one. I mean, uh, <laughs> Canada has got around 35 million people in a geography that is about 10 times the size of California, which has a roughly the same number of people. Right. And it, it is the fifth largest economy in the world. Yeah. We are talking to Marbo McAuliffe of um, Gabby Inc. Um, and didn't get to anything, uh, a whole list of questions. So we're going to have to have you back on the show. We actually reported a profit in 2021. So I, I, we got to talk about that. How is that even possible? So you're doing something right. And, and also found interesting, they have interesting employment, employee uh, shareholder program. And so all, lots of cool stuff and dive into this. But uh, unfortunately, uh, Margo, we're out of time. So um, let me just mention GabbyInc.com um, and also MankindCannabis.com if you want to uh, learn more about the, um, uh, the dispensary, uh, uh, Gabby's dispensaries. And I, of course, sounds like a pretty cool place and visit. Um, traditional and uh, and non-traditional uh, consumers alike. Um, so, Margo, thank you uh, very much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Margo. Good luck with your uh, your grandbabies. Thank you very much. I'm and sure it'll we'll, be wonderful. Yes, congrats on that too. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if I uh, if I went on too long on my answer. Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. So welcome to the uh, business of cannabis. Um, Sean Connor of uh, Force Brands. Sean is the co-founder and chief progress officer of uh, Force Brands, which is a full service executive recruiting agency. And uh, they have a recruiting platform as well, which we'll talk about. Interesting background. He was actually member coordinator for the NBA's Retired Players Association. Um, but other than getting some juicy gossip about ex-basketball players, Sean's here because he heads up a herb force, which is the cannabis division of Force Brands. Uh, if recruiting isn't top of mind for any cannabis business, I don't know what is. Uh, so this conversation should be quite timely. Sean, welcome. Thank you so much, David. Excited to uh, be on the show and appreciate you uh, um, inviting inviting me on the on this uh, incredible podcast. So let me um, let me start with your background. Um, just that, how do you go from NBA retired player association to cannabis recruiting? Yeah. There's yeah. gotta be a story there. There better be. <laughs> there, there, there certainly is. There <laughs> certainly is. Um, you know, and, and I will definitely share it. I think what's also certainly interesting is where we started in recruiting to where we're at today, which I, I think okay. I'll elaborate further, yeah. but um, I, I am a basketball fanatic, uh, you know, played basketball, um, 
worked obviously in basketball, was helping retired basketball players find opportunities after their their NBA oh, career. Okay. So this is, you know, post-college, um, you know, working with, you know, many of the legends and as well as, you know, some of those uh, mid-tier players that then was trying to figure out a path after what their, to do, right? their careers. Exactly. And so through that, after several years of doing that, built incredible relationships within our company. And um, one of my colleagues introduced me to my now business partner, Josh Wand. And uh, at the time, you know, Josh was definitely um, kind of um, getting uh, bev force at the time off the ground. And he shared the vision. Um, he shared kind of what ultimately he saw what was happening in, in consumer. And that was essentially people were starting to evaluate what they were putting in their bodies and looking mm. at better for you solutions, whether it's in functional beverage, whether it's in food, beauty, wellness, et cetera. And so certainly saw, saw what he was um, uh, kind of sharing just in the acquisition of a vitamin water at the time when Coke bought that business for multiple, right. you know, $4 billion. And, uh, and so we started the business in beverage. We started it. Oh, really? Oh, okay. We did. Yeah. Um, we started it in, if you look at craft beer, or craft wine, or uh, craft spirits, and then saw, uh, started working with the more better for you functional beverage companies, the coconut waters and gotcha. acai juices, and then food, uh, better for you food companies. So the packaged goods within food. And, and then beauty, wellness, personal care. And so six years ago, partner Josh said, hey, I see this momentum that cannabis is starting to have. And we've always been believers of the power in the plant. And ultimately he said, you know, there could be an opportunity here. And just, we just started to track the data and look at the segment and the forecast of it being potentially by the year 2030 being double the size of the wine and spirits category altogether. And so what was also interesting is our, our experience in consumer translated really well to the cannabis segment because a lot of those businesses need to understand how distributorship systems work, supply chain mm. systems work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you look at building kind of brand awareness from a marketing standpoint. It was all translatable. So so certainly it just made sense and it was a natural organic evolution for our own business that we then started to work and support entrepreneurs in cannabis as they're building their teams, as they're looking at their board structures. As well, let's uh, yeah, let me jump in. Let's let's start let's start there and and from background. Give us an overview of Herb Force then. Absolutely. Uh, you know, to give us an idea, what you know, what 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 does it mean by a cannabis recruiting company? Uh, okay, but tenders, like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, so it's really the executives within those gotcha. those brands and those companies. So if you look at Herbforce, Herbforce is a division within Force Brands that helps businesses in cannabis 
connect with executives. We actually have two divisions. We have an okay. executive search side of our business, which is for more of the CEO, COO recruitment. We actually break it down by function as well. Sales, marketing, finance, operations, positions, again, the executives. The right. other side of our business is a platform for businesses to find professionals. And typically it's a, it's like a job marketplace where you can identify more of the junior level to mid-level management by posting a job directly on our platform. Cool. So I'll give you a chance to plug the platform. What's the, is it a website? Is it a, is it's it forcebrands.com. Oh, okay. Force, okay. Awesome. So executive side, obviously that's some, uh, the classic recruiting and depends on the position. And then here's a platform that you can sort of uh, tap into uh, to uh, an existing database of, of, of talent, I'm guessing. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. So build on that. What you like, what are some of the roles then that you, you find you're, you're recruiting for now? Yeah. Um, what uh, either, and the, or and and do you see like is that is that uh, changing over time? Do you see, yeah. do you see trends? Absolutely. So you know it's 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 interesting, and um, you know certainly I think the 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 um, increase in demand that consumers are really focused on is digitally native, whether brands or businesses that they essentially can make their buying choices on. So brands and consumers specific to cannabis, um, you know, certainly wanted to um, increase their knowledge base and bring in marketers, CMOs, who have that digital marketing background and understanding. So I think there's been, you know, an evolution that we've started to see and will continue to see within the CMO, VP of marketing and the importance of the the route to market as you look at companies like Ease or Dutchy in cannabis that are helping brands sell direct to consumer um, or that delivery platform via um, those platforms. So, you know, that's um, very interesting because... One of the themes, what you know, if there's one issue that's coming up over and over on on this show, is the sort of running dialogue slash competition between brand and I'll call it the retail experience, the brick and mortar experience. The and and it seems like it's while there's a relationship between the two, they're divergent a little bit by people who are thinking the brand is going to take over um, versus people who are saying no, it's about the customer's relationship with a particular retail experience. And you're seeing a trend towards that brand thing is what I'm hearing. Well, you know, certainly there's both. And I think in cannabis, what is certainly a a gap is, is the education piece. And the education piece can certainly be um, fulfilled, whether it is digitally from an educational standpoint, or you can help from from the bud tender, right? The actual consumer going into the retailer and learning about that product. And so the bud tender is such a pivotal, important part and and person through this whole process, because that is essentially how a consumer is educated on the differences between Indica 
and Sativa, or what potential products may actually be applicable for them and their needs. So it, you know, it certainly depends and it depends on the brand's philosophy and what they want to focus on and who their core consumer is. We often, when working with the business, want to peel back the layers and understand, well, what is important for them in the next 12 to 24 months? We know they could sell their product everywhere and go leverage every distribution system, but what's more impactful for them and their consumer base that they're focusing on in the near term? Hmm. So based on your practice, let's say for the last, I know it's a crazy time with COVID and we'll get into that in a second, but what, what are the key issues from on the executive side, let's say, because it seems the, the bud tender side and the, the sort of junior position side are, are, I think what they are, what they are. Um, but on the executive side, what are some of the key issues that when, when companies are coming to you and recruiting, they're saying, we need this, or this is the problem that we try to address. Can you help us? Yes. Yeah. Spe- speak to that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I, I think in, in less than two hours, I'm imagining. <laughs> yeah. 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 In five yeah. minutes, summarize it. <laughs> Your whole job. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, there, 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 there are many, um, as you're alluding to, but I think ultimately the way cannabis companies are approaching building their businesses and what's a consistent theme we see are, are this, um, entrepreneurial uh, mindset. You know, they realize that with the the um, the way the structure um, from a legalization standpoint to a consumer awareness standpoint, there's a there's a lot of gaps there, and the um, the focus on bringing in talent that has that entrepreneurial mindset is something that we get a lot of demand for and a lot of requests for. I will also say there is a significant demand in talent, but there isn't many talent, there aren't many talent that's actually available on the market. That's what I was gonna, the thought that was going through my head is, well, it's a new industry. No one has 20 years experience in executive level. Like, you know, they don't. Exactly. So everyone wants it. Who do you bring in? You bring from what in, other industry? Right. You bring in executives who built brands in other industries. Whether you're in beauty, wellness, personal care, right. whether you're food and beverage, um, and and whether or or, or pharmacare. I mean, and now have you seen maybe some spectacular flops for that very reason? Are there um, aspects of cannabis that maybe don't lend itself to beauty or uh, selling? Coca-Cola, you know, that beverages or. I think there's definitely a learning curve that I've seen, um, you know, for, for some, you know, CEOs or COOs that we've put into companies. Um, But I think ultimately they have realized that this is an emerging industry, right? There isn't a lot that has been figured out, so to speak. So, um, you know, for, for us, it's how do we, you know, before we go on work on a search, it's like, how do we help entrepreneurs, board members really think through the growth of that business? What are the different stages of growth? What are the teams that they may need and, and, and assemble mm-hmm. as they build towards 
a variety of revenue ranges. So, um, so I would say it's it's certainly you know there's a high demand for 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 great talent to, uh, today, um, which is certainly a challenge. Like across the board, there's no like. We need marketers. We need marketers. No, we need HR. No, we need uh, product people. No, we need operations. Yeah. Everything. It, it, high demand. High demand across the board. I will oh, okay. say that you know, um, supply chain operations. We've seen a significant demand for um, sales and marketing positions, as well as finance roles. I mean, a lot of the companies, mm. especially if you look at um, cannabis-based, uh, can uh, sorry, Canadian-based cannabis companies want people who have both entrepreneurial growth brand experience as well as publicly traded uh, brand experience. So right. there, there, there's certain, you know, significant amount of demand for, for finance talent. Um, I guess that shows a, a maturity in the market as well. Absolutely. You're turning your minds to S significant. classic business issues. Wait a second. We need accounting. We, we need uh, supply chain management it's it's how do we build the foundation at the early stages to ensure that we can successfully support the growth that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is, this is a category again, that is projected to be double the size of wine and spirits by 2030. I mean, if there's significant demand and growth here and you know, there's, I don't even know, close to 19, legal States in the U S alone, something like from a recreational yeah. standpoint, like 38, right you know, um, medicinal states in, 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 in the United States. So, um, you know, we see the trend growing. I, from a position standpoint, back to your question, you and I were talking about this. One of the biggest demands we've seen is in HR. The, the, the changes that's happened during COVID, whether it's employee, you know, managing your employee, um, uh, employee base remotely, whether it's you know protecting them and making sure that they continue to stay safe within their facility that they're potentially producing um, or the manufacturing in, mm -hmm. or it's implementing DNI and ensuring that you're becoming a diverse workplace, that you're embracing the the, the next wave of um, importance around culture and looking at, you know, partnering with HBCUs to increase your talent pool or um, essentially training your team on the unconscious bias, but really having that point person internally that can quarterback that. Again, we've seen a significant amount of demand for as companies are looking to bring that in in-house. That's interesting. Is that a, and I guess the follow-up to that is, did COVID rock your world? Did COVID change everything for you? It totally. Or, or you're, are you like now? Like if you look back at the last year, are you seeing like DNI being part of a a trend that that's much broader than cannabis, obviously, or it's, you know, it, it's much broader than cannabis. But however, it's significantly um, important to cannabis because if you look at um, just where the segment is today. Um, companies just want to ensure that they are actually becoming more diverse in that segment in particular to, um, to, to essentially recognize what, you know, the, the lack of diversity um, in, in that, in that space. So 
Um, I would say that, you know, I, I see this as a trend that will, that is here to stay. Um, and ensuring that you can, um, become again, more diverse within all leadership levels, um, you know, board, board levels, executive levels. Um, it's, it's certainly important. So tell me, I got about 10 questions, but I'm going to ask a practical one because I think people will be interested in hearing it. And I want to hear the answer. What, what are the classic recruiting mistakes people make in your career where you go like, oh, here we go again, dumb thing 101. And, is, and then is there something in cannabis that even is even added to that? Because cannabis has unique qualities. Yeah. I'll, I don't know if that's an easy question or a hard question. I'll let, I'll let you decide. No, I, you know, I'll answer from an employee standpoint, and then I'll, and then I'll switch. Um, oh, perfect. Yeah. You know, to, to more of the, on the em- employer side. So I think on the employee side, um, it, it's, it's amazing. I mean, even at the like CEO um, or COO or VP levels, how much the dollar signs influence someone's decision to uh, move towards a, an opportunity. Mm. And we often have, you know, that conversation when we're talking to an executive, it's like money aside, is this something you can get passionate about? I mean, what we've seen in COVID and as a result of COVID, people taking a step back from their you know, daily lives and saying, is this, is what I'm doing on a daily basis meaningful for me? Is it meaningful for my family? The topic of mental well, mental wellness is so significant now. Again, it's it's not a it's not a it's not a fad. It's it's here to stay. This is something that is going to be continued to talk about. But you know, essentially taking a step back and saying, is this important? I, I can't remember this the, the data, but it was like I think fifty percent of people that essentially are working in their jobs. Or, or like, I can't remember, I can't, that's, that's a like, bad. Hey, don't, don't like their, or are considering a change or. Well, there's like, I don't know, like 4 million people. I can't remember the numbers. I should know this. Um, like a significant amount of people were resigned oh, during the year of 2020. Right. They okay. quit their jobs. They said, this isn't the right. opportunity for me. Yeah. I'm ready to move on and look for something that's more meaningful. And this was the pause that gave them the one yeah. week to at least yeah. slow down and go, yeah. you know what, it, maybe I will do it. Right. And so a lot of executives are saying, look, you know, is this important for me, you know, and, and am I living my best, quote unquote, best life after work and even during the work? So I think okay. really ensuring that you're asking that question prior to the interview, prior okay. to going through the offer negotiation stages, because, again, okay. the extra few dollars isn't going to change that. Sure. Uh, on on the executive side, it's 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 interesting. I mean, there's a variety of ones, but I think the most basic. I think it's like ensuring that you're going through this real thorough reference checking process. I think a lot of people get so excited about the candidate, and they're like, "Whoa, this is the person that's going to help me and help the team." But did you actually talk to board members who worked with that person? Did you talk to investors who worked with that person? 
And, and did you back up all of that information that you gathered during the interview during those reference checks? So it's, often, it's something that seems like it's assumed that that candidate is going to give their best three to five people, which is true. But what is that intel that, that those references are sharing to verify what they right. what they you know have said to you during that? Like the decisions made before you even do an interview kind of thing. You don't go through the process. Right. Uh, 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 what's the word? Uh, like a disciplined recruiting process each and every time. It's it's so not uh, oh well he's uh, Dave's bud so hire him or I'm sure he's great or he sounds great or right. she right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's definitely that knee jerk reaction. Definitely. Again, with, with a lot of, you know, these entrepreneurial led businesses, even the high growth, you know, midsize consumer CPG companies. So. We have been talking to Sean Connor of uh, Force Brands and uh, he heads up uh, a, a division called Herb Force, which is focused on um, on the cannabis space and executive recruiting and a platform to help uh, other professionals find jobs in the, uh, in the cannabis industry. Um, interesting stuff. Thanks, uh, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, appreciate David. It. Again, yeah. appreciate being on the, on the show and um, look forward to uh, supporting and sharing the podcast with, with all of our friends. Oh, that's, that's great. Well, you know, like H, like recruiting, uh, it's people like and at the end of the day it's a business it's people and and cannabis is a very people business um so this is very topical and obviously very important anyway Absolutely. thank you very much thank you we'll be right back Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. Welcome back to the business of cannabis. We, um, you just listened to Margot McAuliffe from Gabby Inc. And uh, not too long ago, we chatted with Sean Connor of Herbforce. Um, joined uh, with by Matt Cook, as always. So uh, Gabby Inc., interesting little company with big plans. Uh, you know, 10, 10 dispensaries in the next year or two. And a hundred in the next three to five years. Uh, what 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 yeah. are your thoughts on their offering? Very ambitious, obviously. Um, I don't think I've met many people in this industry that aren't ambitious. Right, but... everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know they have a well thought out strategy, and they they're walking before they run um, to make sure that they you know have thought it out well, planned it out well. The fact that they've segmented their brands, um, I think, is a, a differentiator. Um, obviously, they've gotten a lot of traction uh, with their first store in San Diego. <clears throat> um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, 
I know their focus is on California for the next uh, 10 stores. But, um, you know, I, I, yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously she's a very accomplished woman, uh, very smart. Um, and she, she seems to be very methodical and I, I, I think they're going to have a lot of success. Yeah. It's, it's, I think as she was speaking, I was like, you guys have thought this out. You've done everything right. That doesn't always mean you'll be successful because things happen, but, uh, walk before you run is that's the impression I got from them where a lot of people are just going to run. And that could work too, depends on your strategy, because by the time you start running, another person's huge or, or too many people have taken, you know, uh, yeah, for any focus. Sure. Why not? Yeah. And, and, and for now, I, I think, and I think, you know, you could have a very successful company just focusing on California <laughs> in, ca- in cannabis. Yeah. Um, yeah, cannabis. Anywhere, it's, a, it's a big market. It's also yeah, very but- competitive and not so easy. From my experience, from my experience, you know, having the patience and the discipline to, um, you know, build out your business processes before you start expanding, I think is the most important thing. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Like whether that's right or wrong, they're definitely doing it. Yep. So, and that's commendable. It sounds like they're doing it the right way. They're walking the walk. That's for sure. Yeah. And so when, if, if the, if, when they're ready to expand, they should do it successfully. Uh, then we're going to have to check in and see, well, did you get the timing right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes you can be too early. Sometimes you can be too yeah. late. Um, yeah, we're, re- we're ready to grow now. We're first. ready, everyone. We're ready. <laughs> and then, you know, um, across the street, there's 10 million other brands. Yeah, exactly. So then we uh, spoke to Sean Connor of Herb Forest. Um, for those of you not intimately uh, uh, followed uh, followers of Matt's career, he ran a recruiting company. So your thoughts on that? Because <laughs> yeah. this is in your sweet spot. Yeah, I, I actually founded a recruiting company uh, not knowing anything about recruiting. Um, but the one thing that I did know is the companies that had success um, focused on a niche. My niche happened to be salespeople. Uh, at the time, there weren't any sales recruiting companies. And uh, so I chose that niche and we ended up being one of the fastest growing companies in Canada. Um, actually faster growing than Shopify at the time. And um you know, I think picking a specialty is incredibly important because especially it's because you don't want to be just considered a generalist. You want to say, I don't want your, you know, marketing job or finance jobs unless they're cannabis focused. Right. And a lot of recruiters, it's a very slippery slope. If you look at some of the larger recruiting firms like the, you know, Robert Halfs of the world who are huge and very successful, um, they, they say they focus on finance and accounting, but really they'll take any job you can, <laughs> you, right. you're willing to give them. And, you know, sometimes that can be successful, but th- they've had success because they started really, really like a long time ago. Yeah. If, you, in the if decade, you're starting you know, today, yeah. you could be the Robert half of, you know, cannabis recruiting in 20 years. Uh, so I, I like his focus. Um, and you know, if, if he ex- executes well, and the key is also having both sides, you need the employers that are looking to looking for people, and then you need to be able to attract the right people. And you, so, you would think maybe the right people are the hard part now, because, um, it, it, it's certainly the demand I imagine is there for a quality executive talent. I think that the challenge with, 
<laughs> yeah, I think the challenge with um, uh, recruiting any any position uh, is, you know, just clearly defining what you what you're looking for and what you need. Um, and also communicating with the client, which is, it sounds like he's doing a great job at that. So um, that's our show for today. Um, next week, we'll be talking to Emery Morrison from Capnova. Uh, he's a CMO, uh, an Oklahoma grower. Uh, and uh, Jesus Barola of the Possible Project, uh, a grower from California. So it's a grower show, a grower focus. Um, Looking forward to that. Yeah, thank uh, Matt Cook, as always, for his insights. Um, my name is David Sky. Uh, until uh, next week, uh, be well. And this is the business. Listen to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.